RadioInfluence.com. Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes on Radio Influence. Here's your host, Price Atkinson. Ho, ho, ho. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas from us here at Yards and Stripes. I'm your host, Price Atkinson. Thank you for tuning in. Episode 19. This is our bowl preview special as we get you ready for Army and Navy in the postseason this Saturday. The Army Black Knights taking on San Diego State, and then on December the 28th, the Navy Midshipmen will face off against Virginia. Again, Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football all season long. Cannot believe we're just days away from Christmas, but here is where we sit as our two teams, uh, Army and Navy, getting ready to do battle in the postseason. But as always, want to thank all our listeners like you have done supporting us all season long right here on Yards and Stripes. I just can't... Uh, it really can't um, put into words the kind of feedback and how just awesome this has been this year to be with you uh, and to share Service Academy football with all of us together. Together doing this as a team, Army, Air Force, Navy. I mean, the entire ball of wax. It has been a lot of fun. Certainly, a lot of ups and downs, and uh, just simply from from me to to all our listeners, happy holidays. But more importantly, thank you very much for your support, for listening and subscribing every single week, which you can do on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, a myriad of ways that you can get yards and stripes, and certainly you can stay up to date with us on Twitter at Yards and Stripes and like our Facebook page at Yards and Stripes as well. But as we get you ready for the Armed Forces Bowl in the Military Bowl. We will do just that here in this episode, episode 19 of Yards and Stripes. We are going to talk with two people who probably know these teams as good as anybody out there that's not on that coaching staff. Those two guests would be Sal Interdonado, the Army beat writer for the Times-Herald record, covers them on a daily basis, and then also from the Annapolis Capitol in Annapolis, Maryland, Bill Wagner. He's going to talk to us about the Navy midshipmen's preparation as they get ready uh, to, to face Virginia in the military bowl. But so much to get into. Just to once again appreciate you tuning in. Let's go ahead and kind of take a look at these upcoming games for Army and Navy. All right, let's start with the first game on tap, and that's Saturday, December the 23rd, this Saturday in the Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth, Texas, the 9-3 and Army Black Knights against the 10-2 and San Diego State Aztecs. That one going to be at Amon G. Carter Stadium. Tickets available by checking armedforcesbowl.com. Uh, but as we look at these two teams, two teams that love to run the football, clearly we know all about the Black Knights, but Rocky Long's ball control running game led by the nation's leading rusher, consensus first-team All-American Rashad Penny, has run for over 2,000 yards this season, averages 7.4 yards a carry. Penny, who a guy that is electric, not just in the running game, but also returning kicks and special teams, has returned eight kicks all time for touchdowns, including seven on kickoffs. He is a threat to take it to the house no matter when he touches the football. So obviously Rashad Penny, a huge key to this game for the Aztecs, just needs a 107 yards to break Donnell Pumphrey's school record. And if you think about that, guys that have played at San Diego State in terms of school records for rushing, I mean, George Jones, Marshall Falk, Donnell Pumphrey, I mean, there's so many great running backs over the years that have played at San Diego State. Now Rashad Penny has a chance to join elite company, but he's 
already elite as a first-team All-American as 168.9 yards per game. Uh, also in the passing game, quarterback Christian Chapman, 13 touchdowns, just three interceptions, but something not to overlook. Rocky Long, who is one of the most, I think, one of the most underrated coaches in America, he is a guy that uh, is a head coach that really kind of flies under the radar uh, just with his no-nonsense kind of approach to the game, fairly soft-spoken, but boy, does he have some stout defenses uh, as they uh, have allowed just 110 rushing yards per game, eighth-best rushing defense in the country. Coach Rocky Long, he did talk about the Army offense led by Ahmad Bradshaw in preparing for the Black Knights triple option attack. Well, whenever you play an option team and they don't run much triple option where they're actually reading and pitching and all those sort of things, they run a lot of speed option, which means the quarterback runs down the line of scrimmage and tries to carry the ball wherever there's an opening. And then if there is no opening, and then he pitches it. And then they do a lot of things to make him the tailback with an extra blocker. They'll run zone plays with the lead blocker. They'll run power plays with the lead, two lead blockers. And he's the ball carrier. So it's not your typical triple option team, and they're getting an extra blocker by making him the ball carrier. So it, it's a very difficult scheme to stop with any consistency. And all you have to do is look how many punts they've had for the entire season. Most people have that many punts in the first third of the season. Uh, they haven't punted the ball very much because they keep it away from you forever. And if it's uh, fourth and two, they're going for it. Fourth or two or less, they're going for it. If you hear their coach and staff talk, they start a series first and eight. Everybody else starts first and ten. They start first and eight. So as you heard Coach Rocky Long right there, you know, talking about not so much triple option, more of downhill running game led by Bradshaw. Rocky Long, all-time winning as coach in Mountain West history. Uh, the Aztecs looking for their 11th straight, or excuse me, their third straight 11th 11 win seasons. Uh, so coming up as they are on a four-game winning streak heading into the Armed Forces Bowl. Jeff Munkin also talked about uh, the challenge of going up against a Rocky Long coach defense, one of the more athletic ones that the Black Knights will have seen this season. They are uh, incredibly athletic. It's defensively, the, the different things that they do, they, they multiple fronts and a lot of pressure and a lot of movements with the guys up front, and, uh, and they give people fits. And we've played... Rockies teams before and those defenses and, and they are they're they're very difficult to to prepare for and to execute against very athletic defense up front as well they they are they are fast and lean and and uh, and and it's going to be a challenge for us so uh, hopefully we'll we'll have a plan where where our guys can can execute and execute against the different things that they do offensively obviously having the nation's leading rusher. He doesn't do that all by himself. He's got a, a bunch of guys out there to do a great job blocking for him, starting with their offensive line, the receivers, the other backs. And uh, and they've got other guys that carry the ball and that they throw the ball to that I think are, are very, very skilled. And, uh, and, and frankly, uh, there's some mismatches. So we're going to have to do a great job defending them, and, and I hope we will. Like I said, the, the, it's, it's a great opportunity for us, and, and we feel very privileged to be playing in the postseason against such a great team. And, and hopefully we're going to go out there and, and play our very best. I like tough physical football, and, and that's the way they play on offense. 
Here's Army head coach Jeff Munkin. You know, as the Black Knights looking to get their 10th win of the season would just become the second service academy team in history to do that and make uh, achieve the 10-win, double-digit win plateau. So a big, big challenge for the Black Knights against this high-powered San Diego State offense led by Rashad Penny, the nation's leading rusher, and also that stout defense by the Aztecs. Again, a 3.30 p.m. kickoff Saturday at Amon G. Carter Stadium in the Lockheed Martin uh, Armed Forces Bowl. That one on ESPN. Again, tickets available at armedforcesbowl.com. And in the Military Bowl, the Navy Midshipmen will be facing off against the Virginia Cavaliers. This one a Thursday, December 28th kickoff from Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. 1.30 p.m. kickoff on ESPN as both teams 6-6 six and six preparing to, to square off looking for the winner to, to, of this game to finish with a winning season. As UVA finds themselves back in postseason play under Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall, his second year at the helm of the Cavaliers and the Virginia Cavaliers had a season that's somewhat similar to what Navy has gone through in terms of getting off to a great start and then really kind of petering out the last couple weeks. And, you know, uh, the Cavaliers 5-1 and one, uh, in their first half of the season, but now have lost five of their last six. Ironically, that one win was against the triple option-minded Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets led by former head coach of the midshipman Paul Johnson. This is a rivalry dating back to 1889 when Navy won that very first game, and they lead the series due to the midshipmen 27-11, to also 19-5 and in all-time games played in Annapolis. But UVA has won the last five meetings in this series. That was under the direction of of head coach George Welch, the former Navy head coach. So the Virginia Cavaliers really trying – they have turned the corner in year two under Bronco Mendenhall, but certainly hungry to finish with that winning season, as are the midshipmen who have – it would just be the second losing season for the mids since 2003 if they can't come up and get a victory over the visiting Virginia Cavaliers. The Cavaliers led really on defense by a couple All-Americans, free safety – Quinn Blanding, who'll be making his 49th career start in the secondary for the Wahoos, a consensus first-team All-American, second in, in the ACC and 15th nationally in tackles with the 121. But he's backed up by linebacker Micah Kaiser, another senior who led the ACC in tackles and was fourth nationally with 134. So a Virginia team that comes into this game, boy, that's, that is just thirsting for a victory, uh, as they are going to be coming into Navy Marine Corps Stadium. A little bit of a an odd situation. You go into a bowl game, typically going into a neutral site. Technically, this is, quote-unquote, a neutral site game, but we all know that's not the case. This is a de facto home game for the midshipmen playing right there at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. Bronco Mendenhall talked about this de facto home game for the midshipmen. Yeah, it's just really fitting. It's the next, not only a bowl game, but it's the next hard thing, and we play them at home. So things just continue to line up to provide challenges for growth and foundational elements for building our program. And when you play an option team, you get tons of fundamental work, which is exactly where our program is and what we need, and another challenge. So, yeah, it's tough and it's significant, but it's also necessary and aligned really well. I'm hopeful for a great crowd. Navy, um, I, I hope they get great support. If I, man, if I was a college fan and lived in that area, I'd be supporting Navy. And... It's close to home for us, and so I hope 
um, that our fans are seeing growth and progress and, and what we're doing and how we're doing it and want to want to get behind our team as well. And so the location gives both teams and the bowl a great chance to, to be um, an awesome setting. So I hope that's what happens. That was Bronco Mendenhall in his second year with the Wahoos and, you know, Navy trying to get back on the practice field this week after exams last week. They get back on the practice field. They'll only have about seven total practices in before they face off against the Cavaliers. And, you know, Navy head coach Ken Niamatololo, he did talk this week about, you know, just still a bitter bad taste in their mouths that they're going to have to get over very quickly after that very narrow loss to our tribal army. They want to get on the board and defeat Virginia to get that winning season secured. Um, we're still hurting. I mean, that's a tough loss, man. You know what I mean? And so, for us, the best way to get rid of that pain is, you know, try to get a W. So, we're trying to prepare the best we can. You know, this is a really good football team. And so, you know, you always want to have fun in a bowl game, but the best way to have fun is to win. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a tough challenge for us. So, we're going to try to be prepared as best we can and get ready for a good football team. But I, that's our message. We're, you know, we're we're still licking our wounds from that last one. That's going to take a while to get over. And best way is try to get a W. You know what I mean? So, fortunately, we get another opportunity to play at our stadium. And, you know, we try to finish out in the right way and try to send our seniors off in the right way, try to finish with winning season. You know, just those things, just you know, try to dull in the pain, you know, lessen the pain. Well, there you have it right there, Coach Ken Niamatololo just talking about uh, his team needing to refocus and be ready as it's a big, big challenge with another ACC and a nearby opponent coming into Navy Marine Corps Stadium as that will, be, again, be a 1.30 p.m. kickoff, 1.30 p.m. on Thursday, December the 28th at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium, the Military Bowl, Navy in Virginia. Check out militarybowl.org for tickets. I know parking passes are all sold out around the stadium, but for tickets, militarybowl.org. All right, let's get out of here. we got a couple guests here that we're going to dive into both Army and Navy to get you ready for these two bowl games coming up. And first, we will start off with Sal Interdonato, the Army beat writer for the Times-Herald record. Sal Interdonato coming up just on the other side. We'll be right back. This is Radio Influence. All right, welcome in to Yards and Stripes once again. As we roll along here, our bowl preview special, getting ready for a big game on Friday, on Saturday, excuse me, down in Fort Worth, Texas, and joined now by Sal Interdonado, the Times-Herald record beat writer covering the Army Black Knights. Sal, what's happening today? Looking forward to a uh, yet another game as, as Army tries to hit the double-digit win mark on Saturday against the Aztecs. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of an underrated matchup, Price, to be honest with you. Uh, San Diego State has 10 wins. Army has nine wins. San Diego State has the nation's leading rusher, in Rashad Penny. And Army's coming off that high of Navy. They had, you know, Coach Munkin says only six practices to prepare for uh, Penny and uh, San Diego State. And uh, it, it should be pretty interesting because Ben Holden and I were talking about it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Smash Mouth football. If you like Smash Mouth football, you just might get it on Saturday. You just might get an old-fashioned Good old Smash Mouth football game in the Armed Forces Bowl. Yeah, and before we go really too far ahead with the Aztecs, again, that's a 3.30 kickoff there in Fort Worth in the Armed Forces Bowl this Saturday, Army and San Diego State. But let's just take one quick step back in in the Army-Navy game. And, you know, obviously that Commander-in-Chief trophy came back to West Point. Just the emotion, uh, the excitement. 
What's it been like around uh, around West Point and the campus here in the days since the you know the monumental victory? Twenty one years since that CIC trophy has stood there at West Point. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a, a sense of pride around around campus. You look at uh, Sunday, the day after the game, they brought it in front of uh, the mess hall, and uh, Coach Munkin had a quick speech, and all the core cadets were out there cheering for it. And now I think nowadays the school is kind of let out a little bit. Now they're putting that in the uh, you know the football office, and mm-hmm. that's a great re- recruiting tool. And if they could get this Armed Forces Bowl trophy, uh, that'll be their third tro- uh, third bowl win since uh, 2010. Uh, the Commander Chiefs Trophy just a lot of pride. Just talking to the um, players, I mean, it's a, they put a lot of hard. These senior class put a lot of hard work into that. Yeah, into the season. I mean, Josh Boylan was talking to me about. Yeah, you don't see. I mean, these guys really do not go home all year they might go home for a week in between training and summer classes and they're there in the summer they're constantly lifting they're constantly doing seven on sevens the offensive lines working out together and i mean just there's a lot of pride you look at josh Boylan. his dad is went to west point he's a guy who basically had to earn his place on this team he's scout team players first two years he turns into one of the best army offensive linemen in his uh senior year and you know he just uh, just talking to him and brett toth uh the other day it's just like they're really excited but you know what price they have some they still have some work left to do they mm-hmm. want this 10th they want this 10th win because they would become the second team in academy history to win 10 wins uh to have 10 wins in a season which would be uh they don't want that they don't want the the role to stop for them they know they have one more game left this senior class yeah and it's just a testament uh, nothing more nothing less than to what jeff munkin and his staff have done and you know in engineering a turnaround and remembering that what uh was it the 2015 season second year when you know they only won just a couple games but were right there on the cusp of winning so much more and afterwards that's when coach munkin was saying Look, we're turning the corner, and a lot of people, you know, turned their heads and said, "Well, you only won a couple games. What are you talking about?" But he was right. That team was very close, and as we now see them, you know, the Black Knights ascend to the top of Service Academy football. You know what? Right now, with Coach Munkin and his staff not going anywhere, to me, this is Army's turn atop now to to basically, you know, take their turn as is the premier team in Service Academy football. Like Air Force had their moments, and certainly Navy in the recent years. Now it's Army's time, Sal. No doubt. You know, it's funny because I sat in a they had a football awards banquet uh, after that 2015 season. And the big uh, catchphrase was we're going to flip the record. We're going to flip the record. I'm like two and ten. You're going you're you're going ten and two the next year. No way. That's just an incredible rebound. And, you know, like you said, he was right. And you look at what he's done in recruiting and, you know, service academies are different. They're not bringing in classes of twenty five. Army mm-hmm. brings in classes of seventy five and up. And you just look at now, I wrote a column after the uh, Army-Navy game that they are, you know, they're the kings of service academy football. And right now that could be a while because you look at what they have, what they lose on offense. They lose three guys off their offensive line, key guys in Brett Toast, Josh Boylan, and Mike Houghton. But Bryce Holland will come back at center and Rick Kurz will come back at left tackle. And they have guys like uh, Jackson Deaton who have started before. And, you know, Austin Schufert, they're really high on to replace Toast. He's a junior. And if you watch the Army Navy game, Austin Schufer got into they used sometimes they used some six uh, man offensive line and Austin Schufer was in the game and, and was playing pretty effectively. So um and on defense, I mean you have to replace 
Voight, Aukerman, and England, those are guys who have been starting for you, I mean, forever. I mm-hmm. mean, they're three, four-year starters. They're leaders. Um, but, you know, you look at a guy like Max Regan, who played some time when England was hurt. You look at uh, James Gibson, who's elevated his game, and maybe he slides from safety to the linebacker. And the defensive line, I mean, they're going to get Andrew McLean back. Yeah. And they didn't have Andrew McLean in the, in the Army-Navy game. They haven't had him. Uh, he's missed about the second half of the season for Army with a torn ACL. So, I mean, and then we haven't talked about the possibility of Ahmad Bradshaw coming back. You know, so, I mean, if Ahmad Bradshaw comes back for a quote-unquote fifth year, I mean, I don't, I don't see Army losing a – Losing many service to, uh, to the Air Force and Navy next year. So, what is the story around around Ahmad Bradshaw possibly coming back for a fifth year? What is, I mean, ex- just kind of explain it laid out. What would or would not have to happen for you know Bradshaw to be back in an, in an Army West Point uniform again next year? So, well, through everything that happened on the uh, the morning of Army Navy game through the academy release, they 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 made a statement that essentially Bradshaw has been turned back a year his freshman year he had he was um invest investigated by uh you know the academy found the found the uh the allegations to be you know untrue or not there was nothing found and uh so they turned them back so basically this freshman season he did not play for he practiced a little bit at the beginning of the season but did not play in the did not play in any games so now it's I, I believe it's up to pretty much the academy to 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 grant him. He's going to be at school next year. He's going to be he's going to be a cadet next year. He's not graduating in May. So now it, will will the academy let him play football? That's wow. basically what it is, you know. And I've heard from some that say, yeah, he's definitely going to play. And I've heard from others to say, you know what, maybe not because of what came out in you know or before the Army Navy game. So we'll just have to see. I mean. It's interesting. You're not going to get any answers from the academy right now. You know, I mean, the the cases are closed. The case is closed, and um, it'll be interesting if he comes back. I mean, they're right there again, Price. I mean, no doubt. I mean, if he doesn't come back, then a guy like a Kelvin Hopkins can step in. A guy like Luke Langdon can step in. Remember, Chris Carter and Malik McHugh are academically ineligible this year. Yep. Chris Carr, they're both they're at the academy, and uh, you know, talking to Coach Monk in midseason, he thought Malik McHugh might be their starting quarterback next year. Yeah. So, and he was a punt returner for them as a freshman. He's a sophomore now. He got into some like when in blowout situations, he got to playing games and looked pretty good. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I guess it's a it's a TBD on that one. Um, you know, I guess that's something. Uh, anybody ask at the academy is that something we'll we'll, we'll uh, answer after the season or you know but i don't know if we're gonna get yeah. it, it might be it might be to the spring until we get an answer on that who knows yeah uh, you got to think that it, we'll find something out before spring practice but it's going to be interesting to see what does transpire with that as we continue with sal interdonato the times hero beat writer for the army black knights follow him on twitter at sal interdonato what's the injury situation for the black knights uh, coming out of the army navy game getting ready for the armed forces bowl ryan england uh in the secondary i know probably the guy uh that army's concerned about whether he'll play not play you know what they they landed in uh fort worth yesterday and he practiced and coach munkin told me before they left that he wasn't going to participate in the three practices at West Point after the Army Navy game, mm-hmm. but they were going to give him a run in practice, and that he he expects them to go. So I mean, that's going to be key. And you know, just the way knowing how 
Ryan England is wired. This is his last football game. He's not going to miss this game. It's kind of similar almost to the Xavier Moss last year in the Army-Navy game where he played with a torn ACL. I I, I don't think England's injury is to, to that extent, but you know he, he's not going to miss this game. And he's really important to them. Um, his hard-nosed play. And, you know, like you said, with, with Max Regan get some action too, they can – if they have to, I don't know what, I don't think they're going to use too many uh, five or six defensive back packages against San Diego State. I think they'll kind of load the box and try to, you know, contain Penny. But um, it, it would be good to have England there, no doubt. To, when he came back, Christ, he played more of like a toward the line of scrimmage than he did on the backside anyway. So mm-hmm. he's going to be up there trying to, you know, slow down Penny. Yeah, as we continue with Sal Interdonado, you mentioned Rashad Penny for the Aztecs, uh, the nation's leading rusher, over 2,000 yards. I, you know, I've told a lot of people this year, I know that Bryce Love, Saquon Barkley, you know, several other running backs, you know, get a lot of the ink, the hype and praise. I think Rashad Penny personally is as good as any of them, especially with what he can do in the passing game, also returning kicks. I mean, this guy is electric. He's incredibly dynamic running the football, but he can beat you in a myriad of ways. How do you think Army's going to try and contain, uh, you know, Rashad Penny, the, the nation's leading rusher, a guy that anytime he touches the ball, I mean, he can obviously go to the house. Yeah, and if you, if you watch Army's season this year, I mean, the defense has – I mean, they haven't given up a, a huge amount, but they have given up the long t- touchdown runs uh, in games. Um, Temple rings a bell, and a cer- certainly Malcolm Perry in the Army-Navy game. And, you know, I think it's just – you know, you got co- – Coach Jay Bateman says you really have to keep him in front of you, obviously, but once – they can't let him get into the second level in the secondary. Yeah. That, that defense has really got to – you know, the defensive line's really got to hold their blocks so – James Nautico and Cole Christensen can make some plays and Ryan England up the middle because talking to Ben Holden, who's called three games, San Diego state games this year. He thinks that San Diego state will run the ball in between the tackles. They're not going to get Penny outside as much. So, I mean, that means like Cole Christensen, James Nautico, um, even an Aukerman, you know, and a Brinson, the linebacking core has to be very involved in this game for army to have success. And talking to Jay Bateman, about Penny, he compared Benny to Barkley. Mm-hmm. Um, and two years ago, Army played Penn State. Barkley was hurt and didn't play. But Bateman said that's the type of back he is. He's he's a Saquon Barkley. He's a he's a clone basically. And yeah, uh, yeah I asked him, okay, what's the difference? Because they had just got done playing Malcolm Perry. Any comparisons? And he said, Nah, Penny's two hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, you know, he he runs over people. Yeah, and he, and he, and he bursts by people. So. I mean, that's the key. Can they contain? Can they slow down him? If they can slow down Penny, Army's going to be right in this game. You know, San Diego State's defense has been tough at times. They, I think they've given up 17 points or less five times this year. So uh, we'll see what the – Army's triple option's not, um, you know, breaking any scoreboards right now. You know, with 14 points against Navy, you know, against Duke, they, they, didn't, they didn't score as many as they wanted to. North Texas was just a shootout. And uh, they got to get on. Tr- they got to really get on track early in this game to, yeah. to have a shot at the Aztecs. And one thing to, uh, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on is when you look at the two teams, San Diego State's going to basically be a month out from their last game. The last time they were on the field was Friday on Black Friday, November the 24th, and a 35-10 win over New Mexico. Army just simply two weeks removed, and you know you get the 15 bowl practices. I think you mentioned what six, seven, you know, less, you know, single digits to prepare for San Diego State. The layoff for for Army having two weeks, and then San Diego State a month. How do you think that favors not favors either team? How does that help or hurt either team? 
Well, I think it definitely will help San Diego State to prepare against the triple option. I know Rocky, it's not like it's Rocky Long's first rodeo defending the triple option. They play Air Force every year, and he has some some background in the triple option also. Yep. And for Army, I mean, yeah, it is kind of a, a short amount of time to prepare, but I mean, I think it's basically assignment football for Army on defense. You know, I think it's just the, you know, play your play your play your assignments, keep your eyes right and tackle the football. Yeah. You know, so I don't think it's like any like you know, I don't think San Diego State's gonna come at them with the formations that are gonna surprise Army. I think, you know, you expect them to feature Penny a lot and who knows what they might do with Penny. You know, I think that you know, I, I thought I saw them that uh, one time they had them uh, line up for a pass and then run. So who who, who knows um, what, what Penny will do? And you, we got Price. We got to talk about Penny's effect in, in special teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he is a dynamic returner. And Army special teams have been hot and cold this year. They did they've done a pretty good job, but they cannot let Penny break one off. If, if that that could be a backbreaker in this game and as in any game when a special teams touchdown occurs and, and they got to force a lot of three and outs, you know, they got to force a lot of three and outs with um, San Diego state and they got to go after the punter. Army's had some, some success blocking kicks this year. Yep. They got to have a special teams play in here to make a difference. I think. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. One other thing to touch on is national signing week, I guess, you know, the brand new December early signing period. We know National Signing Day in February doesn't really affect service academy uh, teams with any significance in terms of, you know, the pomp circumstances. You'll have kids sign, but this is nothing that, you know, the schools can announce until the summer when, you know, the the freshmen basically report uh, to the academy. But what do you expect this week for Army you know, the, the brand-new early three-day uh, signing window here in the month of December. What are you looking for? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What might uh, Army fans expect in terms of, you know, future uh, Black Knights this week? Yeah, well, they had, they, a lot of kids have gone on the social media and announced that they're going to sign, quote, sign with Army uh, yeah. today. And that's a, that's a letter of commitment. That, that's not a national letter of intent. Right. Um, you know, they, you got to show up for our day. And, you know, you look at some of these kids, um, Price, who are now seniors in high school, they're going to be half of the, about half of them will go to Army prep and they won't even be listed among the uh, Army freshman class when our day comes. And I think it's late June, early July uh, at West Point. And, you know, a guy who, who signed who, who announced his signing first thing this morning was Hunter Richard, a defensive lineman from uh, Edmond, Oklahoma. He, 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 he seems like he could be a really good player. You know what kind of shocked me a little bit, to be honest with you, after the Army-Navy win, they had a couple kids decommit. And I was, you know, you think that that would be a good um, a good recruiting tool mm-hmm. or a good thing, you know. I thought more kids would actually maybe commit to Army than decommit to Army. They had a kid from Paramus Catholic, a defensive lineman, decommit. Um, they had a fullback from um, Alabama, flip to Yale. And so, I mean, the guys who are going to be signing uh, – quote signing to the, today in the next over the next couple of days are guys who they've had in the fold for a while and are really committed. There's a kid, Daniel Parrish. He's a center out of Georgia mm-hmm. who they're really high on, um, you know, to name a few, um, you know, the, 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 the quarterbacks, they have a couple quarterbacks that they've, rec- they've recruited. And, you know, it, the thing is you got to get these guys to, to show it. This early signing day is a little bit, I have mixed feelings on it because, yeah. you know, when army, the February, even the February signing day, these kids are, are not fully committed to the academy, and they're going to be still recruited by teams even after today. 
to to try to get to try to get them to flip. And yeah. um, you, know, you got to pass a physical at West Point to fully get accept. Yeah, you, know, you got to receive a appointment from a congressman. There's a lot of things that go. You know that you know from being around academy football. Yeah, price. There's a lot of things that it's not just simply signing your name on a piece of paper. You know. Yep. Um. So um. You know this is it's a process, and today's the start of the journey. Let's just say for a lot of these recruits and. You know, they like the direction they'd be going in. And, and to be honest with you, the classes that they recruited, you can't really argue anything with Army. They're getting more talented players in every year. So, All right, Sal, tell everybody what you uh, what you got coming uh, next few days, especially ahead of the bowl game, after the bowl game, where everybody can find all your outstanding coverage of Army Black Knight football. Nobody does it on a regular basis with the quality and the way you do it. Tell everybody where they can find all the great stuff you want to know about Army football. Yeah, you can follow me on on Twitter and uh, Instagram and my blog. Um, I have the link on my blog on my Twitter profile at Sal Interdonato. Um, I'm going to be writing a couple stories on how how we talked about how will Army uh, stop Rashad Penny this um, coming up, and I'll have all all the recruiting news too. Uh, and a, a good story in tomorrow's paper will be. Um, I don't know if you remember Kelvin White, who played for Army a few years back. He was a tight end. He originally yep. was a a quarterback recruit. His brother, Tim Cater, is signing with Army um, today. Wow. His brother is a Pennsylvania defensive lineman. He was Army's first commit of the uh, first, yeah, first commit of this recruiting class way back in, in the summertime. Uh, he's been, I, I've seen Tim at games. He's, he, he got some interest from Delaware, but Tim is 100% committed to Army. It's a good story because I believe Kel, Kelvin just completed Ranger School and is going to be at the signing day. So, wow. um, yeah, so it's a pretty it, it'd be a pretty good story. I'm hoping to get Tim and Kelvin on the phone today to talk about that so you can follow that you can follow that story and you know see also I'll uh, do a preview on the on the Black Knights and the Aztecs. Should be a fun smash mouth football game. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game price. I you know I know um San Diego State's favored by 7. I think the Black Knights will hang in there and uh maybe we'll get another f- fun fourth quarter. Well, there you go. Sal Interdonato, the Times Herald record beat writer for the Black Knights. Again, follow him on Twitter at Sal Interdonato. All the great stuff. You can track him right there uh, regarding Army football. As always, Sal, just a pleasure. It's been awesome to have you and, and talk to you this year and, and just can't wait for a whole lot more down the road. No, no problem, Price. I've enjoyed every bit of it. All right. That's Sal Interdonato from the Times Herald record. And thanks so much to Sal for a few minutes here as we prepare to get you ready for Army San Diego State coming up in the Armed Forces Bowl on Saturday. All right, we'll be right back here with a whole lot more on Yards and Stripes. RadioInfluence.com All right, Yards and Stripes, episode 19. Here we go, continuing on. And this time we're talking Navy football as we got the lowdown on Army getting ready for San Diego State. Now it's the midshipmen preparing for the Virginia Cavaliers, the actually nearby Virginia Cavaliers, but beat writer for the Navy midshipmen, Bill Wagner with the Annapolis Capitol. Give him a follow on Twitter, at bwagner underscore capgaz. Wags, how's it going? Going great, Price. And you've been doing a great job with this all season. I think it's going to become a real popular program. Well, I, I appreciate that. But, you know, uh, you cover Navy. This has been a, I don't want to call it a trying season, but it has certainly been an interesting season compared to really when we turned the page after the Air Force game, Navy's ranked in the top 25. They're undefeated, put together a, a game for the ages against the Falcons. But boy, how things have changed since that game, and obviously the Army-Navy game, 14-13. to 13. 
I just keep going back to that game, Wags. You, you go back to that final drive. You know, you have a couple false start penalties. You have four in the four total penalties for Navy in the game. Three of them came in the final quarter, which were false starts, and then two, especially on that final drive by seniors, just simply mistakes that have plagued the midshipmen, especially in second half, so the second portion of the season. Well, absolutely. It's the story of the season, and I mentioned that to Ken Niamatololo after the game in his post-game press conference. I said two seniors, you know, committing uh, uh, false start penalties on the when you're in field goal territory. It just kind of sums up the season, it doesn't. It? And he just looked at me and shook his head. Yeah, yes, that that is the season, and it's it's frustrating. And that is what Navy has taken so much pride in over the past 14 years when they've had this you know, incredible and historic run of success if they do not beat themselves with silly mistakes, assignment errors, et cetera. And, you know, Bennett Mooring is well within his range. That's a 38-yard field goal before the two penalties, and it's pushed back to a 48-yarder, which, frankly, is really is not in his range. That's, that's, that's a little out of his, his comfort zone. And, and that is the season. That, that was a game that was about to be a great victory. Bennett Mooring kicks a field goal, walk-off win. Everyone's excited. The Commander-in-Chief's Trophy's coming back to Annapolis. And two unbelievable penalties. And there's no reason for it. At that yeah. point, you know, why are you trying to get off the ball so fast? It's not like you're still desperate to get another five or ten yards. You're in field goal range. At that point, it's merely a, a matter of, <laughs> getting the ball to the middle of the field to the right hash mark where Bennett Bennett Mooring wants to kick. So it's it, it just unbelievable, and that really has been the story of the season price. Yeah, and the, the play I go back to in the game, Wags, honestly, in, in my opinion, is the inability to convert in the red zone when Navy gets it on that long Malcolm Perry run. And I thought John Voigt personally saved the game for Army. To me, that 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 game was one when John Voigt, I don't know how he got a finger on Malcolm Perry's shoe or foot, but he got maybe just a fingernail, and it was enough to trip Perry up. Navy has to go and settle for three instead of seven. I thought that sequence right there to me was the defining moment what changed the game. And once again, you're absolutely right, first of all, and the failure to finish in the red zone earlier in the game when they were at something like the 14-yard line yep. and had to settle for field. That, again, is something that is uncharacteristic of Navy. Navy has made a living over the years of scoring touchdowns and then holding their opponent to field goals. In essence, trading touchdowns for field goals. In that, in that game, it was the shoe was on the other foot. Mm-hmm. And you know, Army finished in the red zone and got touchdowns, and Navy did not. So... Uh, again, you're absolutely right that Malcolm Perry, I mean, he, we, everyone in the stadium thought he was gone. I felt awful because I had tweeted just earlier when he had the 68-yard touchdown run, I tweeted that I have never seen him caught from behind. Yep. And it was the kiss of death. <laughs> and the other thing I will say is that you know, the John Voigt play was game-saving, and that is the type of play that Navy made for 14 years and that army did not make. And it really speaks to the mentality of how things have changed in that game. This past, but the last two years, frankly, mm-hmm. army has been the team that made the plays that counted. And Navy is in the team that did not make plays. So, you know, it, the shoe is on the other foot all of a sudden yeah. uh, with regard to this rivalry. 
All right, as you've been around the the program, that Navy certainly coming back after the Army Navy game, they had finals. You know, exam week at uh, the academy is certainly very tough. As uh, you know, the midshipmen, uh, the cadets have to you know they got to bunker down to get through academically rigorous uh, you know academic schedules that they carry. But Navy gets back out on the practice field just in the last day or two. You know, how have they in talking with the coaches, the players, you know, being around the team? How do they seem to have you know somewhat turned the page? as best as you can after a, a you know a just a gut-wrenching loss to your arch rival now two in a row you know that's a really good question and I think it remains to be seen how it will be answered uh, last night Tuesday night was the first time that Navy practiced since the Army lost they they gave the players off for exams and coach Niamatololo mentioned that you know he's tried different things during his tenure coaching career he's mm-hmm. tried having you know, exams in the morning or uh, practice in the morning. He's tried, you know, different things. It just didn't work. And he has come to the conclusion that trying to hold exam, I mean, practice during exam period is, is pointless. It's worthless. You get nothing out of it. So Navy didn't really had no football activities for a full week. They didn't do any meetings. They didn't have film study. So their entire Virginia preparation began on Tuesday. Wow. Uh, so that, in essence, gives them about a week to get ready uh, for the military bowl. But, you know, Coach Niamatololo said after practice on Tuesday, we're still hurting. It was a devastating loss, and we're, we're still licking our wounds. So the question is, how will Navy react over this next week? Does this military bowl game mean something to them? It does beating Virginia, an ACC opponent, which would be a nice notch on the belt to beat a Power 5 conference opponent, uh, this is the difference between a winning and losing season. Navy sits here at 6-6, six and six, and yeah, this result of the Military Bowl will decide whether 2017 goes down as a losing or a winning season. So th- this next week is going to be the teller of how the Navy – football team reacts are these players fired up and ready to play i can tell you one thing virginia is hungry this has been a bounce back year for virginia Mm -hmm. and their players are very motivated to put an exclamation point on their bounce back year and so you know this almost reminds me of the way navy was when it first started going to bowls again Mm -hmm. bowl bowl games really meant something to navy in those early years because they hadn't been to one in a while so They, they wanted to go out and win and show the whole nation we're legit. So now that you ask yourself, you know, this is Navy's 14th bowl game in the last 15 years. Is it becoming, you know, customary and, and, and something that they expect? And therefore, they, it, it's not as, as much of an excitement factor. I mean, I don't know. But this next week, we'll see how the Navy football players react. Are they going to go through the motions and say, oh, we got a bowl game to play, we'll play it? Or are they hungry to win and change the ending point of this season? You know, and that's something as we continue with Bill Wagner from the Annapolis Capitol. Again, follow him on Twitter at bwagner underscore capgaz and certainly check out all the Navy coverage from WAGS at capitalgazette.com. One thing you mentioned is in talking there is motivation, WAGS, because – I'm curious what you think in terms of you obviously got to get motivated. If you don't come out motivated, I mean, that's half of what bowl games are is, you know, the state of mind of a team. But you've got Navy that's going to be playing right there in Annapolis at home in Navy Marine Corps Stadium. This is the third time they played in the bowl, but second time, what, in three years that they'll have played in this game in their own stadium. 
it, Coach Niamatololo said, I think yesterday, all the things you would expect, you know, hey, we're excited to keep playing. It is what it is. You know, I think our guys would be a little bit disappointed to stay home, but we're still getting to play. It's a bowl game, la di da The motivation, you know, it's one thing when you're going to Boca Raton or Charlotte or Texas. How motivated is this team going to feel about the reward of postseason playing just right there down the street from the back gate, what, gate eight of the academy? Well, that's another great question, and we won't have an answer until December 28th when they, when they play the <laughs> yeah. game. But you're right. I have asked myself the same question. I mean, I know that a lot of the players are disappointed. That this is not what you would traditionally consider a reward for a great season and a bowl game to, sit, to come to your own stadium and not even – I mean, they're, they're going up the street and staying at a hotel in Washington, D.C., whoop-de-doo. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just not the same feel. When you talk bowl games, you're usually talking about going somewhere, a destination, you know, even if it's Fort Worth like it was last year for the Armed Forces Bowl, it's still somewhere different. You're getting away, and there's just this sense of going somewhere, and that just you, there's no way getting around that this is not that. So then the next question becomes, do you have pride in playing on your home field? Uh, they are getting a second senior day, if you will. And are, are you motivated to defend your home field? Navy has not lost many games on that home field. In fact, they had a pretty impressive winning streak that was snapped this season by Central Florida. Uh, so do you rise up and show some pride? And I'm, I think that's going to be the, the, the button that the coaching staff tries to push on this is, hey, <laughs> you want to lose on your home field? Is that the way you want to end this? So uh, that's that's got to be the motivation. Defend your yep. home field. Do not want to get beaten in a Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in a bowl. All right, you got a story out uh, this week, and, and and we know when we you know talking with Coach Niamatololo and the folks after the game that I mean, Malcolm Perry is the guy moving forward for the midshipman at quarterback. And I'm not going to go too far ahead and, and look ahead to next season because obviously he he's a sophomore. You know he's got to sign his papers. He's got to officially come back. You know. I still have my questions about can you play a guy with that size and stature that at that position with the hits they take, does he have the durability to even finish, I mean, much less a full season, a half season? But we're just talking about one game as he is going to be the starter over Zach Abey against Virginia in the Military Bowl. You know, Talk to me about that because we don't know where Abey's going to play moving forward. you got to think there's no position change in just seven plays. He's going to remain the backup quarterback. But Malcolm Perry has the future under center for the midshipmen. Oh, yeah. Well, they and they, they made that decision after the Army-Navy game. I mean, you could see in Ken Niamatololo's eyes as that question was asked in the postgame press conference that that was where they were headed. And I understand why they're doing this. The, they, they you have to be able to run your entire offense. Yeah. And Zach Aby is a – he is very much like his predecessor, Will Worth. They are like a second fullback in the offense. And the plays that were called for both Wilworth and Zach Avey were, in essence, what we call the midline option. Yeah. And that is plays that, that are pretty much between the tackles. Yep. He is an inside runner. Wilworth was as well. Last year with Wilworth, the, the teams played a different type of defense against Navy. The bulk of teams played uh, – a, a what they call the five one three uh defense or five two three or whatever it was 
But basically, it was a defense designed to get people to the perimeter to shut down the the uh, the slot back pitch. Yep. And so that is why Will Worth had so much success running inside. And that was also the case early in the season when Zach Avey ran up some big numbers. But then as we got into the American Athletic Conference season, suddenly teams had changed tack. Now teams were playing the Army and Air Force style defense, what they tend to call the 50 defense or the bear defense, Mm -hmm. which is load up the box, get nine and 10 men in the box, do not let Navy run inside. And that is when things went astray with this season because we found out that Zach Avey was not very adept at running the option to the perimeter. Not only is he not a perimeter threat, but we also discovered that he wasn't very comfortable making the pitch. That was not one of his strengths. He had a lot of problems with pitches this year. He had bad pitches that were fumbled, uh, pitches that completely missed the mark to the slot back, um, pitches that the slot back had to make an extraordinary effort to, to snag. And, mm-hmm. and as a result, they were thrown off stride and ended up getting thrown for loss. So the entire pitch element of Navy's triple option w- went away. And so Navy became very predictable. And teams knew if you stuff the box and prevent AD and the fullback from running inside, you had Navy stopped. And that is why Malcolm Perry is a has come into play. He brings the pitch element back to the offense. Yeah. And we did not really see that against Army, mind you, for those listeners out there. Yep. Navy ran what we call the zone option, which is basically nothing more than wildcat formation. You yep. know, they line up in in shotgun formation. There's a fullback back there, and the, the option is you can hand it to the fullback or keep it yourself, and whoever gets the ball is reading zone blocking and picking the best hole and going. Yep. So – Navy did not run the triple option against Army, but they will do so going forward. And having Malcolm brings your perimeter game back into play, you've got an outside threat that when he turns the corner, he he can either pitch or go himself. That changes how you defend Navy. So it'll be interesting going forward to find out whether Malcolm becomes adept at reading the option because that's another element that, that has kind of been lost this season is in order to run the full triple option, the quarterback must be able to make the reads. He has to decide first and foremost whether to give it to the fullback. Secondly, he has to decide whether to keep it himself or pitch. All of these are based on reads. Um, I would have to say from what I saw this season, Zach Amy was not real adept at making the reads. That's part of we saw why we saw the offense we did. In essence, these were called plays, designed plays. Mm-hmm. They were not the quarterback making reads and making decisions and the ball going wherever it will based on those reads. All right, Wags, uh, I know we got to let you go, but one other thing, I don't know how you do it all that you and Sal and, and, and the other beat Brent from uh, you know the, the Colorado Springs Gazette, I don't know how you cover everything, but with national this new early national signing period here that we are in now in December, you know, we know that academy commitments cannot sign any binding national letter of intent. They basically, some of them announce they'll sign a letter of commitment, which is great, but that is no binding document at all. 
What's the deal for Navy uh, the next couple days? What are you expecting in terms of recruiting? We know a lot of these kids are still going to be recruited up through February uh, and then even beyond. But when that's this new, brand-new December period, what are your expectations this week for Navy from the staff that I know hit the road hard after the Army-Navy loss? Right. Well, it's very interesting, and then really nobody knows, not even the coaches, how this is all going to play out. This is brand-new. And, and the idea, there's some good intentions behind the idea, and we'll see if it works. But from a Navy standpoint, the, the positive is this. Navy often recruits a lot of players who think they're going big time. They think that they're going to end up at a Power 5 school. So they will often put off Navy because they're saying, I, I'm still getting recruited by Nebraska yeah. or whomever. And and but if that doesn't work out, I'll sign with you. And and, and Navy doesn't want to have to sit there waiting until March to find out if a kid actually did sign with this other school or whether that prospect is available to them. This early signing period is going to erase a lot of the ambiguity. Yeah. Um, To me, if you are anything but a four star or five star prospect, you had better sign now. Because if you don't, you will not be considered a commitment to that school any longer. That is what we're hearing from all the Power Five conference schools. Any player that does not sign with them, they are going to, in essence, treat as though that person is no longer a commitment. And they're going to go out and find another player. And for the four-star and five-star prospects, that doesn't matter because they're going to be wanted all the way up into the end. You know, they, they have power on their side. Everybody wants to sign them. Yeah. So, but the three-star prospects, if you don't sign this week, you might be out of luck, buddy. They're, they'll go get someone else because there's a, a dozen other guys just like you out there. Yeah. So, and that, the way that filters down to the service academies is they're involved with those two and one-star prospects. And they can go to the kid and say, look, I know you thought, you were committed to or do where you thought you were going to get a scholarship from so-and-so. Yeah. But here's the reality. You didn't. So you might want to sign now with us and, and get yourself settled. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I will say this Navy had a ton of commitments. Uh, they had record number of commitments early this year. And in, in, by August, we were hearing that Navy was up to something like 70 commitments, which Frankly, probably it's night and day yeah. from the early days. I mean, it used to be that Navy didn't even have a single commitment until January. <laughs> they didn't even used to send their coaches out on the road recruiting until January. They they did everything late last minute. And so things have changed dramatically in Annapolis. So what you would think if, if these 60 to 70 committed players, you would think that they would they would again re uh assert their commitment to navy and as you mentioned yeah. you know the, the service academies have started having players sign something just for show right um it means nothing it doesn't mean yeah. the paper it's written on you could say you're going to navy and up until classes start in september you could still leave without any penalty whatsoever i mean it's not the same as civilian schools. If you sign a national letter of intent today, you can't change your mind. If you decide you don't want to go to South Carolina, 
then you have to get a release from that letter of intent. That is not the case with the with the service academies. A a player that is committed to the service academy could change his mind and go elsewhere all the way up until late August and without penalty. Yeah. So there, that that's the biggest difference. But what I'm hearing from the coaches is that they think this will clear up a lot of things, that players will know exactly where they stand as of this signing date, and it may make it easier for the service academies to nail down their prospects because it, it's a real clear indicator of who is going where. Yeah. All right. I know easier is that's going to be what it is for you not having to hop on a plane, travel anywhere to, you know, far off destination, the military bowl right there in your backyard in Annapolis, Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Tell everybody where they can find all your Navy coverage and get everything they want leading up to Navy, Virginia on December the 28th, Wags. Right. The best thing to do is go to the website. It's www.capitalgazette.com. And from there, you can go to the Navy sports page and on that page is everything. It's my Twitter feed is available on there. Uh, all the Navy stories that I write are on there. So that's the best way is to find your way to the Navy homepage on the Capital Gazette website. And you'll be able to get all Navy coverage from our paper from there. And including the Dave Broughton, Bill Wagner uh, video specials you guys put together usually every week. But Wags, appreciate right, we. We will have another one of those next week prior to the Military Bowl. Can't wait, Wags. Always appreciate your time, and uh, it's always great to see you. But have a Merry Christmas, and can't wait to catch up soon. All right, Price. Good talking to you. There you go. Bill Wagner from the Annapolis Capitol. Again, follow him on Twitter at BWagner underscore Cap Gaz. All right, we'll come back. Our weekly Faces of the Fallen segment, and then we'll close up shop here on our Bowl Preview Special, Yards and Stripes. Time for our weekly Faces of the Fallen segment where you guys who listen every single week to the podcast, you know exactly what this entails. But but, but for first-time listeners, Faces of the Fallen is where we take a step back at the end of every podcast to honor, remember uh, the life of a fallen former student-athlete from Army, Navy, or Air Force, somebody who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our nation, for our country, for our flag. And we have remembered and, and honored so many uh, this season. This, i got to tell you, this is my personal. It's not my favorite for uh, reasons I wish we did not have to talk about any of these names. But it, to me, this is something that what this is all about in serving your nation and young people deciding to put their life on the line by attending one of our three service academies, but also going to serve our nation in places abroad in a myriad of roles, but unfortunately did not come home. And it allows us, those folks who protect our freedom and currently are doing so uh, uh, here at home and abroad, we say thank you because we wouldn't be able to do this without them. In this week's Faces of the Fallen, that we're going to honor a member is First Lieutenant David M. Frazier, who was a 2004 graduate from the United States Military Academy, graduating with honors and a degree in civil engineering. And David was 25 years old when he lost his life at the hands of an IED while serving in Baghdad on November the 26, 2006. And David was a member of the 3rd Battalion, 67th Armor Regiment, 4th Brigade, 4th Infantry Division out of Fort Hood. And David was also a member of the Army track and cross-country teams where he 
was a competitor along with his teammate, uh, one of his many teammates, but Seth Chapel, who they became very close friends. And I'll tell you about something that they did together. But you know, David was a uh, was a young man who wore his Christian faith on his sleeve. It was incredibly important to him. It was something that he never you know caved to the majority and others around him. That that was what a lot of what made him who he was. And David out of, as I mentioned, Houston, Texas, 25 years old, was uh, serving out of Fort Hood. Uh, another tour scheduled to come home in, in December of 2006, just another month away uh, when he lost his life in Baghdad. And he was described by a classmate as, quote, a true Texan for sure, very outgoing, incredibly friendly, almost always had a great big smile on his face, end quote. One of his classmates, First Lieutenant Aaron Ryder, uh, describing David Frazier. And David, who, as I mentioned, was a member of the cross and uh, cross country and track and field teams at Army West Point, uh, was a civil engineering major. In his final year at West Point, he initiated an independent study project with teammate uh, Seth Chapel, who ran on the cross-country team with him. And that independent study project was simply to build a pedestrian bridge near the West Point Youth Center. And it wasn't a simple project. I say simply, but it was anything but simple as they encountered several roadblocks, permitting, uh, building issues, at the end of the day, they got that project done, and it was something that uh, Seth remembered in honoring his former classmate and teammate uh, in eulogizing him. Again, out of Houston, Texas, uh, David survived by his mother and father, Richard and Helen Frazier of Houston, and also his brother, Patrick. So it's just a time where we take a step back, honor, remember the lives of those who have given the ultimate sacrifice to our country May they never be forgotten. We will always remember them, uh, their sacrifices, and their service right here on Yards and Stripes. That'll do it for episode 19 of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. What a great uh, episode it's been, just catching up with Bill Wagner and Sal Interdonado. Appreciate both of them taking the time to join us ahead of the holidays and ahead of those games for Army-Navy, respectively. You know, just thank you so much to them and their time. is a busy week this week, not only bowl preparation, but again, national signing, uh, the early signing period uh, here for the first time in the month of December. But appreciate all of you, our listeners, just once again, thank you so much for making an incredible 2017 season a ton of fun and really really special uh, at least for my end of things it's been a lot of hard work but it's also been uh, even more fun to do this with you guys every single week bringing you the latest greatest and best Army, Navy, and Air Force coverage. You know, just once again, I, I know the holidays coming up uh, this weekend. We're, we're in them right now. But Christmas Eve coming up this weekend, and then certainly Christmas next week. You know, hope everybody just has a blessed, happy holiday season and a Merry Christmas next week. Uh, we will come back as a programming note on the week of January the 1st with Navy's bowl game on the 28th. A lot of people are going to be out doing things uh, for Christmas next week, so we won't bring you a podcast next week. We will save and wrap up the Armed Forces Bowl and Military Bowl the week of January the 1st when everybody's kind of settling back in from the holidays but you know just once again I appreciate every single one of you just thank you for 
for writing, uh, for subscribing, for listening, for feedback, uh, comments, good and bad, uh, reviews on iTunes, you know, where you can listen to us every single week, Google, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Just appreciate every single one of you. It is all of you that make this thing possible and why we put it together every single week. So we will be back the week of January 1st to wrap up this entire 2017 season. But once again, I'm Price Atkinson, your host. Thank you for tuning in. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you soon. To get more info on all things Service Academy football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook, and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. This has been Yards and Stripes on Radio Influence. Here is Kevin Kennedy and Rich Herrera with an Inside the Dugout Quick Fix. Did you see the picture, Kevin, of, of Alan Tramble with his travel mates as they landed in Orlando? No. I okay, so here's the so Jack Morris, who should have been in the Hall of Fame a while ago, tells the story that agreed, you know he, he's waiting and you know he's working over at MLB.com and his producers checking in with him. And they gave him a window of time that they're going to call. And the producer's calling, 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 calling. The window closes. And Jack's starting to prepare to be let down once again. And then he gets the call that he's getting in. But he had to keep it to himself. And finally was able to tell people. And uh, he he teared up. And it was it was an emotional moment having him retell the story uh, at his press conference. And I, I sat up there in the front row and was like, wow. This How is amazing. Awesome is that? that was How awesome. How awesome is that? So, did you see my little tweet on? Uh, actually, it was a long tweet. I numbered it too. One, two, three, on Alan Trammell. My little story about Alan. Did you happen to see that? No, no. Uh, so let me tell well, you this. Me, I'll, I'll tell that story in a minute about okay. Alan when I first met him. Okay. So here's, so here's Alan Trammell. He's flying. He's he lives here in Southern California, right? Yes. So he's flying, and on his flight from San Diego, from San Diego. So he doesn't live that far from me, I understand. Um, so he's on the Southwest flight out of San Diego to Orlando, right? Yeah. Also right. on that flight is Buddy Black, Bruce Bochy, um, Trevor Hoffman, John Boggs. Uh, there's probably uh, a dozen baseball people on that flight. John is a big agent in yes. San Diego that's represented many of those guys. Yeah. So there's a photo. It's Scott Miller. You know Scott from uh, sure, from Bleacher absolutely. Report. He works with us yeah. at uh, at SiriusXM. You bet. Yeah, so good he, guy. Good he guy. tweeted this out, and it's a photo of all these guys in the um, in in the uh, where you where you pick up your luggage. Yeah. So right. what had happened was, Alan's on the flight. Baggage claim. Yeah, baggage claim. Alan's on the flight. He he he's not supposed to say anything. Uh, his phone is off. He's just kind of going through everything and, and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. So they get off the phone, they get off the plane and Hey, people ask, did you, did you, did you see anything? Did you hear anything? Did your phone blow up? Nope. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So he's kind of hanging around because when they land, that's when they're supposed to uh, be either calling him to let him know, or if his phone doesn't ring, he didn't make it. So everybody else is getting there getting their stuff and he's kind of hemming and hawing, waiting, went to the bathroom and kind of wandered around a little bit and waited and waited and waited. And then finally his phone rings and everybody else is already there. 
Everybody else is already there uh, waiting a baggage claim. And he comes down to baggage claim and they're all looking and he gives them a thumbs up. <laughs> and they all know that he made it. So it was uh, in the in the photo. It's uh, Osmus, Bud Black, uh, Trammell, Trevor Hoffman, Bruce Bochy. All, to- awesome. all together um, uh, there for that uh, for that uh, for that moment. So it was just a great story of him and then both of them going in as teammates. It was really cool to see. Inside the Dugout with Kevin Kennedy and Rich Herrera can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.